Another show? Another show table? It's going so fast. I know. It was like five minutes ago we were filming the first one. I know, it was crazy. But anyway, look, we're talking about a real important subject. We've heard from some really important people, decision makers, policy makers, healthcare professionals over the last few weeks. Um, you being one of the long-standing members working on the involved team, specifically working with um, newly arrived young people, refugees and migrants. Um, as a youth worker, what would you say uh, your experience has been in working with this group or this community of young people in better understanding the challenges of mental health? I think um, when it comes to working with newly arrived young people, the first thing is the language, you know, that always comes into play. Um, there's so much that you might want to say to them and they might want to say to you, but if you can't speak the same language, you're, you're kind of cut off from them being able to even express themselves in the first place. So I've learned that right from the very start, it's so important to have someone that speaks the language um, so that they can always speak to you whenever they need to. And that person is an interpreter. You yeah. can't have an interpreter there because the language is lost, um, the engagement is lost, and we're youth workers. So whoever you're going to have engaging with that young person needs to also be a youth worker. So I've learned that whenever we're working with newly arrived young people, you need someone working with them who's relatable to them, um, someone that they can like confide in, someone that they feel they can connect with. So yeah, one of those things. And you know, just for our audience or viewers and listeners, we work obviously work in this sector, we work with newly arrived young people um, on a regular basis. That the, even the terminology newly arrived, yeah. Um, you know, can you explain to the audience what, why we've come up with newly arrived? Did we come up with it? How did it come about? Why do we emphasize always referring back to newly arrived rather than refugees and migrants? Um, so we spoke to some young people uh, once. We did a consultation with them. It's really important to consult with young people. Um, and we asked them, like, how do you actually feel about being called refugees or, or migrants? And um, this was like a year or two, uh, two years on into their uh, integration here. So they could speak the language now. They felt very comfortable speaking English with me. And they said, Taba, I don't know why people keep referring to us as refugees. Like, I came here a few years ago now. Like, when am I just going to be a young person? Um, so we were like, how do, what, what do you, you think is better? Like, how should we call you or refer to you? And they said, well, we're new. So we kind of came up with, why don't we just say newly arrived and would you be happy with us calling you newly arrived? And they were like, yeah, that sounds sounds good. Because I personally think even, personally and professionally think, that in itself, when a young person, when we're doing consultations with young people and young people are saying, I'd prefer to be called newly arrived than a refugee, could potentially lead to them, the reasons for them saying this could be that obviously the word is something that they don't like Mm. It's it's a label that they don't like, and it's a label that affects their mentality. Yeah. So even something such as so small as a word um, can affect a young person's thought process or or mental health at a low level can be disturbing. So I think it's important when we address and speak to young people. First and foremost, all young people are young people. Yeah. But if you need to categorize, because some there are some points where you do need to categorize what type mm. of people, a uh, group of young people, where they where they're from. I think that's the reason why you mentioned we, we call them newly arriving people. Yeah. But in general, we'd like to say 
all young people are just young people in general. But we understand why there's sometimes needs to be a, a difference, and we, yeah. we've we've heard from other speakers uh, over the last few episodes as to why we need to to uh, categorize sometimes. You've been working with newly arrived young people for a number of years now. Um, over your years of working with them, what challenges have you met with young people, or what what challenges do young people, newly arrived young people, face? I think newly arrived young people and young people in general face similar challenges on a regular basis as any child would face. However, there is uh, th- 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 there's times and the situations um, that you need to differentiate and and pick apart and take apart some of the experiences and, and challenges um, newly arrived young people face compared to, say, someone who is born and bred uh, in the city or in the country, not saying that their challenges no less or isn't important as it is for a newly arriving person. However, putting into context of examples of displacement. So first, understanding what displacement is, someone having to flee or leave their home, leave their country of origin, a place that they would have been growing up with friends and a familiar habitat, being not just getting up and on your own, kind of decision or making a decision and saying I'm going to go and go to another country but actually being forced to flee um, and move to another country that in itself causes a trauma um, then the fact of coming into a new environment new culture a new language will naturally cause a, a different type of trauma um, and challenge in a young person um, so I mean the young people that we work with after a few, sometimes after a few months, sometimes after a few years, disclose various different things to us that are, are very different to challenges that are generally faced by young people that are born and bred in the, in, 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 uh, in the UK or in the city. And some examples of that are um, young people witnessing killings, bombings, um, apartment buildings being blown to pieces, um, young people disclosing to us they miss their goldfish young people miss their kittens and their cats and their pets at home to extreme levels of young people missing family members that they know are either in prison or have been killed or murdered some of the more common uh, relatable challenges some of the young people uh, that are new, from newly arrived communities go through are uh, was an example in 2018 when we met a group um, of young people who arrived from from i believe it was iraq and um they're they're, they're just arrived end of September, uh, sorry, end of October, early November. And um, the first one and a half weeks, the young girl wouldn't leave her house or come out of her house to attend any of the sessions, go to school. And there was a serious concern of, you know, what was up with this young person. Um, So as youth workers, we had this relationship. We could speak to her. We managed to get her into one of our sessions. We had a a one-to-one mentoring session and, and, and found out that, it was that October November period where it was traditionally, you know, a fireworks night, and um, and people let off fireworks in the UK, and it's a celebration, and and this young person was clearly suffering some some sort of PTSD because she disclosed to us that whenever she was hearing these fireworks go off, she thought it was bombs that were landing, because that that was her experience of 
of these noises so she would stay home her parents would, were also staying home thinking the same thing because they never had that education or that support of uh, this is the time of a month where fireworks usually take place and communities celebrate and get together it's it's a fun thing but that had caused her a lot of stress and anxiety and obviously we're not cl- clinicians we're youth workers i remember we were speaking at the time and we were saying clearly that's a sign of some sort of ptsd um, but how do you diagnose that as a youth worker you can't but what you can do is you can educate raise awareness and you can you can support that young people person in 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 how to better deal with that situation moving forward and that's where our program uh, you know the, the million and me programs come from you know they say between the age of um, 8 to 13 uh, young people have suffered some sort of uh, by the age of 14 all young per- people have suffered some sort of acute level mental health challenge so we're saying between the age of 8 to 13 if we can um, kind of equip young people to better deal with a challenge of mental health then they'll be in a better position by the time they're 14 15 years old um, what about yourself I'm sure you've come across a number of cases um, where I know you asked me but I think mm. more recently in recent times over the last few months years you've worked with some young people and they must have some challenges yeah the challenges like like you said they're they're young people so they're going to say um, face the same challenges as any other young person but there's additional ones like fitting in isn't just about having the right clothes to wear fitting in is about like for example a young person said to me when she first came to the UK she thought it was wrong to be a Muslim she was from Afghanistan and she was scared of being a Muslim so she told everyone she was Christian she let go of all of her beliefs just well, to well, fit why in. Why was that? Just to fit in? Just to fit in because she said I don't know if people will think I'm a terrorist because I'm a Muslim um, she thought like people would bully her if she's a Muslim so, and it's taken her five years to say I'm a Muslim and I actually want to be Muslim again and it's taken her that y- long to find the courage and confidence to go back to who she was and that was just about fitting in so can you imagine the amount of stress and mental health uh, problems she's been going through over this five years like an identity crisis but at that level yeah where she's struggling just to fit in but where do you think that that root feeling would have come from was that do you think that's from the moment she arrived would that do you think that would have come from other children in the country saying things to her about her country or do you think that was her perception of what her country was seen as before she arrived i think it would have been a mixture of both um she's fleeing that country because she knows what's happening there at, at that moment in time so she's aware of what's happening in the news and islamophobia and you know um, 9-11 and things like that so when she's coming here it's just added to that so i think it would be both and even recently I had a conversation with another young person and um, she's asylum seeking. She was an asylum seeker and she was just talking to us about how she came in the back of a lorry with her family. And the way she was just telling the story, there was no emotion in it. Like it was so hard for me to listen to how she was just saying, yeah, me and all my family, we were just in the back of a lorry. And when we came out, we stank and we were so dirty. We, they, 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 they hosed us down with water and it was really cold. And the way she was just saying it, I was like, oh my god you're telling me this like horrific horrific story but you don't even know how horrific it is it's just something that's happened desensitized yeah she's so desensitized and i'm going to go back to the other example that you mentioned of of the girl who had a the young person who had an identity bit of an identity crisis i think for our audience it's quite key and important to learn that journey you know so now she's saying i'm 
happy to be a Muslim. I'm proud to be a Muslim. Or I'm, uh, she, you she know, wants she's, she wants to be a Muslim. Yeah. How did she get to that stage? What's 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 happened over the last five years that's made her feel comfortable? You know, can you can you give us a bit of background of what support that was put in place, or was it from us? Was it just part and parcel of life? Um, I know that over the past year, she's been coming coming to us quite regularly. Um, and Positive Youth Foundation, we're quite a diverse place. There's people of all different walks of life, different religion, and everyone's made to feel comfortable, you know. Um, it might be that she's seen people be very open in the way that they practice their faith and um, quite proud to be who they are. And maybe she feels that she can be the same. I know she's disclosed a few things to me um, and asked me a few questions. Um and I have to put my hands up and say, I can't answer those questions for you. Um, but I think the fact that she's got this relationship with youth workers where she can come and just be well, herself. Why is, it, why is it that you can't you put your hand up and say, I can't answer these questions for because you? Because I'm a Muslim yeah. and I'm a youth worker and I work for PYF. And anything I might say, she might perceive in a wrong way. And then it would implicate our youth organisation. And I wouldn't want to put our implicate our youth organisation in that way. Yeah. And I've I've told her that. So she's aware. But the fact that she has, I mean, th- th- that's that's great way of thinking. Yeah. I think the, the fact that she's got someone that can, she can lean on or she can ask advice from, yeah. um, would you say that's been a key factor in the reason she feels far more confident now in being more open about who she wants to be than, than she was orig- initially? Yeah, of course. All all young people, even grown-ups, need someone that they can speak to, someone like a trusted adult that they can speak to, someone that they can rely on. And this is what being a youth worker is all about. It's about us being available, readily available, um, attentive, um, and just there, present when a young person needs you. It's not just about the activities that we're doing, the sessions that we're putting on. It's just about hearing and listening to young people and giving them that voice and that time to just speak. And we make sure that we're doing that on our sessions and when we're at the centre. Even when we don't have sessions, young people have our work numbers and they will message us and they'll say, can I come and speak to you? And we're like, okay, come down and speak to us. And we'll make that time for a young person because it's so important to to do that. So like... You know what? What is one of our? What, what's what's a session? What is what's a typical day like for a young person coming into PYF? Like what do we they need to break it down? Yeah. Okay, so our programs are broken down further into sessions. Um, sessions can range from one to one kind of sessions, mentoring sessions, and group sessions. Um, on our sessions, sometimes they have themes. So it might be a conversation cafe. It might be an ESOL session. It might be a sports session. Or it might just be a youth club session where young people get to come and enjoy their time playing FIFA, pool, and having a little chit chat. So a lot of people will listen to, you know, pool, FIFA, table tennis, and and, uh, and the common terminologies used are this is a great babysitting service. Mm. And I know it's a big bugbear of ours because, you know, we have so much evidence and data to suggest that it's far more than just your babysitting service. You're actually changing young people's life you're changing young people's lifestyles their thinking um their mentality um this is clearly an integration program and the whole idea behind it and the funding that's come from it is to is to better support the integration of newly arrived young people do you feel that there's enough emphasis been put on around mental health when it comes to integration probably not no it's probably missed out 
um, everyone's thinking about learning the language or um, getting into school or getting into college and all these um, learning how to use the buses or I don't know, like how to access services. But they don't realize that all of these different components or parts of a young person's life is quite stressful. Mm-hmm. Like all of them add to stress and affect young people's mental health. So you're expecting so much from a newly arrived young person straight away. They've come into the country and you're like, boom, school. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's like, have you actually asked the young person how they're finding all of this? Have you sat down and made the time to speak to this young person and asking them how their life is going? Like, have they made any friends yet? Even that's um, quite overwhelming. Like, you know, how do you even make friends in a new like without knowing the language who yeah. do you make friends with um i don't think it's spoken about enough i, I was going to say how do you then support that young person i'm going to ask you that question how do you then support that young person who ha- may have challenges with mental health um, but before i do was to give you another example that you mentioned around how to use the buses and how to use how to make friends when we actually like one of my one one my examples or memories I can remember from experience when I was delivering a workshop on on mental health to newly arrived young people there's there's two elements to it there's one depending on what part of the world that young person is from so for example if it's the Middle East or, or Southeast Asia there's this whole taboo around mental health so the stigma so mental health doesn't exist first and foremost. I remember delivering a workshop to that group of young people and we were talking about what services young people can access if they needed to mm. around mental health. And we mentioned like Commentary Mind, NHS and, you know, a few other um, organisations, professional bodies that they could receive help for. And then we also gave examples of why someone might want to access these services. So a breakup in relationship. So like if you ask yourself generally, why would a young person want to access NHS or, or Commentary Mind, for example, it might be, Things that are happening at home, uh, parents going through uh, divorce, it could be um, bullying at school, it could be a number of diff- different reasons, uh, relationship breakups. When we were s- when I was speaking to these young people and like, giving those examples, I remember a young person just ps- laughing in kind of a rude way first. I took, I took it as a rude way. Why are they laughing um, and saying, and, you know, kind of like, they weren't explaining why they're laughing. So I remember asking, you know, what what's so funny? These are some serious issues. And the young person turned around and said, why would I need to go to a doctor for or, or, or a therapist for all the reasons you just you just you just mentioned? And I then turned around and asked, okay, so give me a reason why you would go. And he said, I wouldn't go to anyone. He would. I don't need to go to anyone. And and I said, okay, then tell me the worst situation you've been in um, that would make you feel sad or upset. And he mentioned something so horrific as, you know, he witnessed his own father or his uncle, I can't remember if it was his father or his uncle, he witnessed a very close family member being beheaded. And he said, at that moment, I was angry and I was upset for a little bit, but the next day I was fine. And I remember listening to him saying that and saying, that can't be right. No young person should be saying what he just said and be so okay with it, mm-hmm. like you can't. You know, how how can that be? Um, and that's when we kind of really started focusing on. Look, we need to. It's great we're doing integration work, but we need to focus on how we can support um, young people around mental health and better understanding it. And because th- th- I felt at that time, without being a clinician, that okay, he's all right now, but at some point in his life, he's going to have some sort of trauma breakdown. 
and hopefully it doesn't but I think he will because based on the research he will have some sort of trauma at some point and when it comes to that point how well have we equipped that young person to deal with the situation when we might not be there so I guess that was one example for me but I wanted to ask what you do or what you've been doing recently through the Million and Me program to equip these young people 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 to understand and, and equip themselves to deal better deal with acute levels of mental health. Obviously, certain yeah. levels of mental health are beyond us. We, you know, we youth workers. We, we're yeah. not we're not the NHS, but we can support acute level mental health. I think when you're working with young people as little as eight to thirteen year olds, and especially if you're working with newly arrived young people, um, I think language, like the terminology that you use to approach mental health, is really important. Um, they're not going to understand. Oh, how is your mental health today? Yeah. You don't say that. I think it's just about getting um, young people to understand what their feelings are in the first place. How are you feeling today? Are you happy? Are you sad? How was school today? How did it make you feel? Simple things like that and having very simple conversations with young people are massive. They'll but sit do, do, down do, do, with Don't you think their parents are asking that question, the schools ask it, or their teachers asking that question, don't you think? Um, from the conversations that I have and our staff have with young people, no, and that's why they're venting to us and speaking to us about their problems because no, nobody can always give them that um, time attention and attention. Um, in in a in a classroom, you'll have thirty or fifty or thirty or twenty to thirty young people and yeah. one teacher. At our centre, we've got six seven members of staff for thirty young people. We've got smaller groups, and you can give that attention. So I think. When we're doing these activities, um, we use the activities as a means to have these conversations. So young people just think they're having fun and having a um, like a little fun session, doing an activity with you. But our goal is to have these conversations with young people to actually understand how they're feeling. So through the activity, if it's making slime or you know drawing, coloring, um, any kind of creative outlet whilst they're talking they're so distracted from the conversation they don't realize how much information they're actually, they're giving, actually giving you, giving you. Yeah. but we're taking all this information down we're noting it all down and we're relaying it back um in like reflecting we're like in in team meetings and then like you know decoding and understanding their mental health in that way so but once decoding and understanding and researching what are we then doing with that information to equip that young person to better deal with the situation? So we always tell them that what you've told us is important, it's valid. So for example, I'll give you an example. Um, I have a young person that's newly arrived. Um, we met her in December during um, the Christmas holidays. And in the first week I sat down with her, did a one-to-one -one with her. And this was a formal one-to-one. And she sat with me and she just spoke to me about school. And I said, how are you finding school? And she said, I don't like it. And I asked her, okay, why don't you like school? She was like, I'm getting bullied. I was like, okay, explain what the term or the word bullying means. Is it something that's happened once or is it ongoing? And she explained it's ongoing. She's getting name called and sworn out. And I was like, okay, have you spoken to a teacher? And she said, I've spoken to a teacher. How many times have you spoken to this teacher? Trying to really understand and paint a picture because sometimes young people might say they're getting bullied yeah. and they don't understand what the word bullying means or they, they don't know the process. So I said, have you spoken to a school teacher? And she said, yes. So when she told me this, I said, okay, it's really good that you've spoken to someone. It's really good that you've um, let somebody know. You've spoken to me as well. Okay, what's the next step? Um, and I informed her that we'd, we'd tell the school. 
Um, so we did, we told the school and then they sorted it out. So I think that's what we do. We take the next step and we advocate for this young person. She doesn't know how to speak to the teacher. She has, but the teacher's not understanding her and, and realizing how much it's actually affecting her. Um, and we've taken that next step to advocate for her. And I think that's what we do. Yeah. We, we take the next step. And when young people don't have the voice or the power to um, share what they're feeling or don't know how to express it enough, we just support them in taking it to the and, next step. And how important is that advocacy for a young person's uh, mental health or not just mental health for, for a young person? How important is that advocacy, especially being newly arrived, not maybe not knowing the language? It's massive. It means that they're being heard. They feel like, okay, I'm actually someone actually sees me like I actually feel welcome here like I'm I'm needed or I'm being heard it's a, it's a validation like young people need that yeah what I'd like from all of this is to see that all of us work far better t together closer together uh, and really really look into how how the youth work can be used as a preventative measure when it comes to supporting the mental health and of young people that's what I think anyway. I hope this has been useful for the viewers and the listeners. It gives you a, we hope, we, the whole purpose behind it is we want to give you an insight into some of our work um, and go into a bit of detail of what it's like uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for everyone listening and please like, share and subscribe, comment, engage with us. We're on positiveyouthfoundation.org is our website. Um, subscribe to our YouTube page. These episodes are on um, all major audio platforms uh, so please listen in tune in subscribe to them thank you very much bye